are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday, start of the NBA Finals. But before we even get to that, and we're going to get to it in today's show, we got to talk about some other stuff, some stuff with the head coaching search for the Pelicans. Some more news on Victor Oladipo. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and then we'll finally preview the series between the Lakers and Heat. I'm assuming we're all in agreement on this. Go Heat, right? Okay, let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, so let's just dive into everything with the Pelicans coaching search still ongoing. And yesterday, uh, uh, Travers Fletcher, there we go. I'm sorry, buddy. Fletcher tweeted out that uh, he spoke to someone within the league and their guess is that Jason Kidd ends up in New Orleans. Okay, that's that's your news of the day there. Other than the Pelicans have already reached out to Doc Rivers, it sounds like they were set at least at some point this week to also interview Tyler. So there's your update on what is going on here. But I have a question for you and we put it out there as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There are still a lot of coaching vacancies open. Right now there are six I'm curious to hear what your rankings are of them. So right now it is the 76ers, the Clippers, the Pacers, the Pelicans, the Rockets, and the Thunder. Of those six, who's number one, who's last, and why? And I threw this out on Twitter and it got a lot of responses, and thank you everyone that did. And I think we kind of came to some, there's some consensus that I saw on all of this, but what's kind of interesting is this question is very subjective. Now, this is not who should... Jeff Van, G- what should Jeff Van Gundy's order be? What should Ty Lue's order be? What should uh, Mike D'Antoni's order be? W- what do you think is the best job? What do I think is the best job? And be objective. Don't just say Pelicans are number one because you're a Pelicans fan. Try and take a look at it objectively. And I think it's interesting, and you're going to fall into one of two camps. I think most people put the Clippers at number one. I think that's a fair thing to say followed either by the 76ers or the uh, or the Rockets, and then maybe New Orleans, the Thunder, then the Pacers. You kind of put those more win-now teams, more likely to win a title teams for the first three, because if your goal is to win a championship, there you go. Those are going to represent your best chances. And then the other teams are kind of going through rebuilds in some capacity or are still growing. The uh, Thunder look like they're going to go through an extensive rebuild at some point once they move on from Chris Paul. And the Pacers, which we'll get to in a second because it sounds like Victor Oladipo wants out and we already heard some rumblings about this, might also be doing a similar thing. And you've got the Pelicans, which are kind of in the middle. They'll be a playoff team sooner rather than later, but they're not a title contender just yet. So if you're looking to win a title, you should probably pick the Clippers, the Sixers, the Rockets in whatever order you think teams are closest there. But it also comes with the flip side of this too, that a lot of other people have keyed in on. And this is what I was curious and why I threw it out there. You probably still put the Clippers one to some degree, maybe Philadelphia too, but maybe not depending on what you think of the makeup of the roster. But where do you slot Houston? Where does Houston go in this list? And a number of people put them last. And I I wouldn't do that, and I'll explain why, but I get it. The logic is 
that team seems like it is going to hit the proverbial wall or cliff. And then that drop is going to be far. Eventually it's just not going to work anymore. And they're going to have to rebuild. They're not going to have any draft picks. They're not going to have any cap space. And you've got to try and move on from Russell Wilson's contract. Totally right. Fully agree with you. The pressure there too is also a big thing. That team is expecting to get to the conference finals or NBA finals and win. Like those are the three options for them. This is not like get into the second round, get bounced out. Anything other than winning a championship with that roster and that team is probably going to be considered a disappointment. So the pressure of the job is huge. You also have Tillman Fertitta. Fertitta, I don't know how you pronounce his name. I call him Fertitta. Who, as an owner, is going through some stuff. Has been going through some stuff. And is maybe not the best owner in the league and not a guy that you necessarily want to be working for. That's also a factor into this making that job less desirable, I think. Now, some of this can also be said about the Clippers, too. You could say that the pressure to win there just forced a Hall of Fame coach in Doc Rivers out. You've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they might be able to leave in a year. And if you hit that doomsday scenario, what is that team going to look like? No draft picks. You know, you might have cap space at that point, but like, what else? You know, not a whole lot. And I think that's something to be concerned about. So if you're concerned about long-term, you drop both of those teams down there and you elevate the Pelicans to probably the two or the three spot. So when you kind of look at this, the Pelicans probably average out to being the third, third and a half best team out of the six available, depending on how you're looking at it. In terms of the Clippers and the Rockets, I get why people are dropping the Rockets really low because of all of that. But until Daryl Morey leaves, as a head coach, I would be fine going there. This is a guy who's willing to do whatever it takes, however drastic it might need to be to put a a, a contending team together and to not rebuild and to not tank. And until he's not the GM there, I would trust him to put a good team around me because he's proven that. And I would feel pretty comfortable with it, even given the other issues that they have coming up. In terms of the Clippers, even if the doomsday scenario happens, Steve Ballmer has like, a billion times more money than the next richest NBA owner. It's not that much, but it's not like far off. It feels like it's the richest guy in American pro sports. I think by far he will spend whatever it takes to be competitive and to try and win. And you know what? Having an ownership like that, the biggest way you can get a competitive advantage, having that on your side makes that job really appealing. So I think it's gotta be one, even though in a year you're looking at a potential doomsday scenario. But for the Pelicans going to be in that and to be ahead of the Pacers, I think, and the Thunder, I think, is a good spot for them to be in. Now, it means that a guy like Doc Rivers might not end up here. Ty Lue might not end up here. And it probably means you end up with a guy like Kenny Atkinson. So if New Orleans is going after guys like Ty Lue, like Doc Rivers, they want an established coach whose floor is very identifiable. Maybe he doesn't have as high of a ceiling or there's less variance compared to a young guy, an up-and-coming head coach that you don't know much about. But the floor is there. And right now, the Pelicans having a high floor or, or like a good enough floor would be a good thing. And that's what those guys provide, I think. But will they take this job over some of those other ones when you see how many head coaching, like pretty decent options are available? And I'm not sure that they will, which means the team probably ends up with a guy like Kenny Atkinson who fits in the mold of a Ty Lue, a Doc Rivers, 
but isn't the top name out there and is kind of left on the dance floor without a partner other than the Pelicans who all of a sudden start looking pretty good. And then Kenny Atkinson starts looking pretty good when there's no one else available. So there you go. Top six jobs. Let me know what you think the order is. Just you personally, what's the order? Give me a reason why on Twitter at Nola Jake. So coming up, new rumors about Victor Oladipo. Uh, This is the guy I like. We'll get into it a little bit more in the next segment of Locked on Pelicans. Today's show is brought to you by DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles, incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, Australia, you can support your local go-tos like I've been doing or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Sometimes it's just nice to have those things delivered to your house. And DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for y'all. The only daily show breaking down everything you want to know about this team, the coaching search, the NBA finals, which we're going to do coming up, free agency trades. We cover it all here at Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts. So I mentioned him as a realistic trade target for New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. Like this is not trying to find a way to get Clay Thompson here. This is not trying to come up with some ridiculous trade that has like no chance of happening whatsoever. And then people sending it to me being like, what, what does this make sense? Those normally don't, but I do. And, and I don't like to spend a ton of time on here, like talking about those because they're so ridiculous that uh, it's, it's not worth like wasting the air on something that's just not going to happen or so unrealistic. I mentioned Victor Oladipo as a trade target I'd like to see for New Orleans, and I thought he would be a realistic get given just the circumstances around the Indiana Pacers right now. He's not like the upper echelon of players, but he's an all-star caliber player that you can go out and get and acquire because of his unique circumstances that are similar to Anthony Davis's from a year or so ago. And now it sounds like that might be closer to the truth than not the truth, as according to The Athletic and Jared Weiss, Victor Oladipo is looking to move on this offseason, according to sources. Now, this is according to sources, but that's a, a weird thing to put out there if there's not some semblance of truth on this. And Victor Oladipo, coming off the injury, has is in an interesting spot, and it is definitely not in the Pacers' best interest to pay him, but they are acting like a small market team. They signed Brogdon, yes, brought him in this past season. He was good. They were the four seed in the playoffs. That's great. Fired Nate McMillan. And some of the stories from Paul George's time there in Indiana coming out make it seem like they just don't want to pay to win. They don't want to commit the money. They don't want to do these things. He said he had an all-star player lined up ready uh, to play with him, and they didn't pull the trigger, whether it was free agency or a trade or what have you. That doesn't speak great about when players want to stay there or them even necessarily wanting to re-sign Oladipo for big money. He's making $21 million next season and is then an unrestricted free agent after that. If his 
market gets into 30 million, is that something they're comfortable paying? Particularly coming off of the injury that he had, which kept him out for most of the season, most of the last season, and where he didn't look quite like himself. That's a bit of a scary prospect. But for New Orleans or certain other teams, rolling the dice on Oladipo makes sense because if he does get back to that level, he's very, very good. And I think you can do this trade. Every time I mention him, everyone's like, would, would we really trade uh, Oladipo for Drew Holiday? You don't include Drew Holiday in this whatsoever. The hypothetical trade I propose is something like J.J. Redick, Lonzo Ball, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, plus a pick or two for Victor Oladipo and Jeremy Lamb. Lamb's under contract for two more years after this, or a little over $10.5 million or so, $11 million the next two seasons each year. Gets that money off their books, brings in Oladipo here, gives you Lonzo Ball, a young guy that you can at least kind of evaluate before he hits restricted free agency next season, and he will be cheaper regardless than Oladipo. Plus Nikhil, another young guard you can at least kind of evaluate and look at. And then J.J. Redick, while the shooting's nice, he's there so that the Pacers can trade him later on. And get another pick. So basically, it's Lonzo Ball and the Keel and two or three first-round picks, depending on what you what, what picks you have the Pels throwing in and what you think you can get back for J.J. Redick. But if Oladipo wants out, it makes a lot of sense. Now, it does not make sense, actually, for the Pacers to trade him. One, his trade value is probably lower than it's ever been or ever going to be because of the health concerns about him, because he didn't look quite as good as he did. Not that he should, pre-injury. That's big. You probably want to keep him and maybe move him at the trade deadline next year when he's upped his value, when he's a little bit healthier, and you can get just more in return for him. But the impending free agency that he has also does give him some leverage. And if he goes, no, I'm not going to sign with this team that you trade me to, it tends to scare those teams off from trading for him for a six-month or less rental. That's probably not what most teams want to do. So if you actually are trying to maximize the trade value for him, trade him now when it at least gives the, to- uh, the team receiving him a year to convince him to resign because that's presumably what they want to do. He fixes a lot of what New Orleans needs. He can be that secondary creator. He can be um, a defensive force at times too. So pairing him in the backcourt with Drew Holiday makes a lot of sense. He's a good shooter. I like most of what he would bring to this team and fixes a lot of the holes that New Orleans has. And now he's available and that's a guy you should go and try and get. So we'll get into some NBA Finals talk here in a minute. But before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And it's even more delicious than it was before because they've redone the formula. You've heard me rave about these things. Well, they taste even better. I didn't know if that was going to be possible. It definitely was. They've added in new flavors like cookies and cream, caramel brownie. Apple Almond Crisp, that's on top of the already great flavors like raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter. I could go on and on and on. I rave about these things because I eat them and spend my own money on them. They are soft. They're easy to chew. They do not taste or feel like a protein bar whatsoever. Plus, they're covered in 100% real chocolate to really give it that candy bar feel. They're great for people who are just trying to be a little bit more health conscious. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and they've got some that have 19 grams of protein. 180 calories or 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories things are awesome and if you bought them before using the locked on promo code they've reset it with the rebrand and new formula so you can double dip and get back in on this plus they're going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you're going to get ten dollars off your next order that's promo code locked on for ten dollars off over at builtbar.com 
Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this team. Coaching search, free agency, NBA finals talk, anything NBA related. We've got to cover here at Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so it's game one of the NBA finals. Anthony Davis, LeBron James of the Lakers taking on Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and the rest of those three-point shooters and kind of scrappy Heat team. This Heat team's good, but is going to be an underdog in this. And if I had to make a pick, I'll give it to you right now. It's probably Lakers in six, maybe even five. I, I can break this game down a lot, and and there's a lot to look at. LeBron is going to do his LeBron things, and the Heat basically have to force the Lakers not to play in transition, meaning they're going to forego a lot of offensive rebounding chances and try and get back to slow the Lakers down and then force them to be a half-court, three-point shooting, jump shot shooting team, and that's the way the Lakers aren't their best. They are potentially capable of doing this. With Bam Adebayo down low, he can not neutralize Anthony Davis, but probably slow him down better than anybody else. He's their best defender by far. And if he's able to at least slow him down, it at least forces a guy like LeBron to beat you, which is still not really a great thing to bet on. Or if you can somehow slow down LeBron too, you can maybe, maybe try and force those other guys to beat you. And they definitely won't do that. The Heat have beat the Milwaukee Bucks. They've beaten the Boston Celtics. And in the Bucks. They played a team that had a superstar, Giannis, the MVP. I think they can slow down one superstar. I do not know if they can slow down two. That Miami zone, which did wonders against the Boston Celtics and is a big part of why they're in the finals right now, is not something that's going to work against the Lakers a whole lot. They didn't use that zone really at all against the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't even know if they flashed that look once. And against the Celtics, it works because they didn't have a huge lob threat and a ton of guys who are great from mid-range until they got Gordon Hayward back. And then you started to see that heat zone not, not do so well. It was good enough, and it was enough to get them into the finals. But I don't know if that's going to work against the Lakers. One, Anthony Davis can rise above that zone right there in the middle with the um, that, that mid-range jumper of his. And he's on a freaking tear with that. I don't know if we've seen a postseason from a mid-range shooting big like this in a very, very long time or anyone in a really, really long time. Plus, he's a lob threat, which hurts that Miami defense a lot that if they can just get aggressive, you've got to account for Anthony Davis on the lob. And that will mean you've got to have Bam Adebayo there and you can't have then Adebayo defend the rim against the guy attacking the rim and then have a guy like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, or Goran Dragic try and defend AD as the role man. That's a problem. That's a very, very big problem. But if the Heat defense does force the Lakers into being a three-point shooting team, you don't trust Kuzma shooting threes in the NBA Finals. You don't trust KCP shooting threes in the NBA Finals. You don't trust Rondo shooting threes in the NBA Finals, that's for sure. And that's where the Heat can potentially get an advantage. Offensively, as good as this Lakers defense is, they're going to score. They do so well working off ball. They have such credible three-point shooting threats. Butler can go and score and be that one-on-one guy that you need. Plus, you've got Bam, who in the closeout game scored 30, 32, 14, and 5. There is some talent on this Heat team. But it's really going to come down to can their defense slow the Lakers down. And if they get the Lakers into that situation, they're going to have a chance in this series. Now, LeBron presents another problem with that, though. If you watched him against the Denver Nuggets, who, who, you know, a valiant attempt, but they only won one game in that series, LeBron knew to hunt for the right matchups. Get Jamal Murray on him. 
Hunt for those smaller guys that he knows he can take to the rack every time when there is a switch. So do the Heat switch or do they fight through screens trying to keep a guy like Andre Iguodala or Jay Crowder on LeBron James as much as possible? Because if they switch when LeBron is trying to beat them into that, they're going to get burned. So really, Heat defensively, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I think the zone will get flashed a little bit, but I don't think it'll be the deciding factor in this. And it really might be how they handle screens. And if they can keep... Iguodala and Crowder near LeBron James, knowing that he's going to hunt for that. So it means you've got to pre-switch. You've got to kind of think and try and be one step ahead of the Lakers offense. Well, you you might have a chance to kind of keep this low scoring and then let your three-point shooters and Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and the rest of the mob group kind of do their thing. And I think they might be able to. The other thing that I wonder could be an X factor is can Spolstra, who knows LeBron incredibly well, design something to throw him off. He knows his tendencies, right? Coached him for four years. They made four finals. They won two titles. Does he know a thing or two that no one else really does and is maybe the best coach suited to defeating him? And I wonder if that could be the case too. So I'm going to be curious to see if he comes up with a wrinkle or two, but this is going to be fun. I'm excited. I don't know if I would have been as excited about the Celtics in this. The Miami Heat team is pretty fun. And I think here in New Orleans, despite... Uh, Lakers fans taking over, uh, attacking my Twitter poll that I put up. I think we're all rooting for the heat in this one. It's going to be tough though, but I can't wait. But I, I'm not betting on it and I'm probably betting Lakers in five or six. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Don't forget, DoorDash, download the app, use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order, and then go to Built Bar, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order there as well. Thank you to both of them for sponsoring the show. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.